Welcome to the Get Deep Podcast, where premium spirits meet quality conversation. Featuring your extremely good-looking co-hosts, Aaron Jones and Wes Otto. Now, take off those floaties, get your ass out of the shallow end, and let's get deep. Hey friends, how's it going? Aaron here, of course. And Wes. Again, with my beautiful co-host Wes Warner Otto. I always like to throw in that middle name because middle names are important. The guest we have on today, though, I don't know if I even know his middle name, but I do know his first and his last name, so we'll go there first. Jesse Bodker, or Dr. Jesse Bodker, with OFC, Orthopedic and Fracture Clinic, locally here in Mankato. Um, also a very good-looking man, uh, bald, so of course he's in my bald man's club, brethren, whatever you want to say. Uh, That's very kind. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Very, very kind. Of yeah. Um, so welcome to... Uh, Welcome to the show. Obviously, you're involved in other things in the community, which we'll get to. Yep. And uh, but thank welcome. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. This Ceremonial is, uh, clink. This is great. Cheers. There we go. Cheers. Absolutely. Yes, but it's Cole, by the way. Cole. C O L E. C O L E. Jesse Cole Bodker. Yep. So that'd be J C B. Okay. Cool. All right. Aaron thinks he's special because he's got two middle names. So he's got double double the fun. It's Aaron Richard William Jones, for those who may not know that. Um, my parents fought over, they, they couldn't decide on one, so they decided to, to name me after each one of their fathers. I don't think I told you this. My middle name was actually misspelled on my birth certificate. It was supposed to be Werner, W-E-R-N-E-R, which was my grandpa on my dad's side's middle name. Okay. And they ended up going with Warner okay. with an A. And I think my mom did that intentionally, but that's just my opinion. Oh, <laughs> I think man. she preferred Warner. Interesting. Why Cole? Where's Cole come from? That's a great question. I don't know. Nothing. No um, history of it? No, I never, I guess I never really, and if I did ask my parents about it, I guess I didn't, I, I can't remember the story. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'm the first of three brother, three of us, three boys, you know, two younger brothers, but I, I don't, I don't have... I don't have an answer for you. Do you think you'll ever get sick of the name Jesse and decide to go with Cole? You know, there was a time in my <laughs> earlier in my life that I thought, oh, you know, just switch it up a little bit, go by Cole, be cool. Okay. Um, but no, I'm 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 good with Jesse. Yeah, it's a good name. Yeah, you know, there's always been a few uh, um, nicknames along the way, but nothing's really stuck. But I Jesse's just, Jesse's good. I was just going to ask you, what's if you're willing to share, what's what's a, a fun nickname or two that you have been bestowed well you know everybody knows the history you know back in the day wwf when mm. you still call it wwf mm -hmm. and there's a guy that uh, used to be the former governor of uh, minnesota yep mm -hmm. jesse the body jesse the body so mm -hmm. when i got to college and played football in college uh, there was two twin brothers uh from texas three rivers texas eddie and clovis ray uh, unfortunately, one of the brothers uh, has passed on. He joined the military. That's a, another story for another day. But they were two of the best guys ever. And every other word out of their mouth was dude. And <laughs> they, you know, when I came in, I thought it was a, you know, I thought it was a decent sized guy. And uh, I wasn't big enough, though. So those guys, dude, dude, we're going to get you big, dude. We're going to <laughs> you gotta eat, dude. We're going to go in the gym, dude. 
And all of a sudden, my first year, you know, the freshman 15, well, I put on 25 pounds. And it was not, you know, it wasn't, you know, blubber. It was more, you know, of the muscle variety. The good stuff. And those guys were like, we're going to call you the body. And that was it for the rest of my, you know, my, my four years of college was the body. The but then body. you move on from there and no one really, you know, knows it and it doesn't really stick. So, well, it, I might have to try to revive that here locally and just start calling <laughs> you the body. There I was going to say, if I saw you across the way and I just yelled out, Hey body or Hey Jesse, the body, you're going to respond. I probably would. Yeah. He might, or he'll just keep walking. Like, oh shit, I'm out of here. I ain't got uh, time to bleed. I mean, he's built. He's look at him. He's, yeah, he's, he's been like an it. ox. You try to fit that guy. Uh, I chat it's a challenge when I have to fit him in sport coats and suits because of his broad shoulders and chest yeah. and then you're tapering that shit down but I like the challenge and I appreciate the yeah, challenge yeah, as well no, so. no, absolutely <laughs> well you guys keep me looking good too so where did you play football at? Uh, McAllister okay. so not really known as a football powerhouse D3 um, D3 right? yep I was told uh, I came out of you know, I really want to play basketball basketball is my first love basketball, baseball football growing up in high school and we had a unbelievable high school football coach that would go to the ends of the earth for you. We, you know, the guys on the team, we were really, you know, we had a good, good team our senior year, but this guy would do anything. He'd bend over backwards for you. And as much as, you know, he would do that for you, us, we'd try to do that for him uh, when it came to practices and games. But he's the one that kind of put me in touch with places and, and uh, you know, they told me 90% match rate to med school and you're going to play right away. And so at the end of the day, I ended up there. I almost went to Concordia Moorhead with a buddy of mine. Um, he ended up getting a last minute academic scholarship to play or to, uh, for just school. So he decided not to play, came to actually MSU Mankato. <laughs> and so all of my friends from high school, everybody went to Fargo Moorhead area. I'm from West Central Minnesota. So at the end of the day, I decided. I'm getting out of here. I'm going somewhere else. I went to the Twin Cities. It was kind of a eye-opening experience. I imagine. Being a kid from a town of 400 on Jeez. the west central border it's of quite Minnesota. A transition. And uh, it was, you know, my, my roommate, my freshman year was from Dakar, Senegal. I met uh, people from all walks of life all over the country. Um, being a small town, you know, kid from Minnesota, I was actually in the in the minority as far as, there, there wasn't a lot of Minnesota people, actually. It's, it draws from all over the country, all over the world, in fact. So you get a lot of different viewpoints, a lot of different uh, experiences. I think it was, it was good in the end. Um, I certainly uh, grew. We didn't win a lot of football games, unfortunately. But. So if I had to guess, because I don't know, um, tight end? Yes. Uh, wow. Yeah. See, yes. I used to play football myself, so I, I kind of know the type, yep. right? Good. And if you were putting yes. some bulk on, if that was part of the yep. goal, you're too tall and too slim to play just about yep. anything other than either a receiver or a tight end. And I'm not fast enough for a wide receiver, so yeah. you know, if you can, you can, you can keep, you know, if you can outrun the, the linebackers, right? As a tight end, that's a little. Did bit you better. have good hands? I had great hands. I just wasn't fast enough, you know. Like I, I could, you know, for tight end, it wasn't, but I was still undersized, right? I put on right. 25 pounds. I'm. I played at 205, 210, but Division three football, I'm going up against defensive ends that are 260, 265. Right. So it was a lot of, like, technique to try to, you know, um, to block, uh, yeah. to get open, to do to do things. So, right. you know, my football career, let's just say that I was never going to go pro. 
I always had a dream growing up, but I was never going to go pro. I figured that out really quick. Sure. So while everybody else wanted to, to play PlayStation and, and drink and try to get me to come over to their dorm rooms, I said, sorry, guys, I'm, I'm going to keep and uh, go study. Yeah. I'll see you on Saturday night. And yeah. so, you know, I was pretty driven knowing that uh, I'll, be, I'll become a professional, but it's not going to be in football. Sure. It's going to be in something else. Did you ever have any major injuries from playing football while you were playing at all? I had some back issues. Okay. Um, no ACLs or major issues or any type of um, surgeries that I can, you know, um, that I can recall. Okay. Um, but I had, you know, a couple back issues here and there. But, right. you know, it was, you know the, the, I think that's what really kind of in the end drove me to what I'm doing today is just the love of sports and, and, you know few injuries here and there but really um always wanting to come you know to be close to it right if i can't play it on the field how else can i be close to it so right so your origin story you're you're kind of um becoming a doctor is there anybody else in your family you have two brothers um obviously parents was somebody else in your family a doctor was that were you the first one to get into the med field like that how did that begin yeah i'm the first one so i actually come from a family of nurses my mom's a nurse most of my aunts are nurses i think of all my i uh, it's probably 75 80 percent of my my aunts are nurses wow so there was that medical kind of background that kind of got me interested in it right away. Um, I had, um, obviously, my dad's a, a, a farmer, you know, and uh, self-professed uh, college dropout that, you know, figured some things out on the way. Um, but, you know, those two are my biggest supporters and my biggest role models when it comes to this. And, and their thing was, look, you need to work your tail off. And, you know, your 20s are for your education. And then, you know, let everything else kind of work its way out after that. So, you know, kind of growing up, I had great work ethic instilled by two really good people. And that, you know, my dad, even though he didn't quite figure out college, he's figured life out, you know, after that. But they really kind of pushed me to um, better myself and, and to make sure that I was studying hard and getting good grades and, you know, off of that, like I had the, you know, my mom being the, the nurse, I was able to get some exposure to some of the family practice doctors in, in town. And so I was able to shadow them and kind of see what it's all about. And that's what started my interest early in, in high school. Did you know, even at a high school age, what area of medicine that you wanted to go into? No, there's so many areas. I mean, obviously, the only thing I was really exposed to is family practice. But I knew that sports um, was a was, you know, Growing up playing it, watching it, I mean, there wasn't a night that I didn't come home that my dad didn't have some, you know, we didn't watch network television. We watched the Timberwolves, the Vikings, the Twins. Back in the day, huge Celtics fan, Larry Bird. We used to have that <laughs> huge dish, like before DirecTV, oh, yeah. the small dishes, the huge mm-hmm. thing. It would rotate in the sky. We had <laughs> every <Wars> channel. <laughs> and if it didn't, you get, you get the boys who get up on that roof and you rotate that. And so we'd, we'd, we'd be watching Celtics games on you know New England Sports Network, and I'd be cheering for the Lakers just to, out of spite. But the um, – so the uh, – I don't even know. I'm, we're getting off tangent on, on what I was talking about, That's but it's, it's like, but the, 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 uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I grew up, I was around sports. I knew that orthopedics might be something I was interested in. I had a, they had a, a, an outreach doc that would come from Watertown, South Dakota, you know, like once a month. And so I think it was maybe my junior or senior year. Um, you know, I, I asked my mom, do you think I could, you know, shadow him? So she kind of, you know, put in a call and, and yeah, you could come. It was 
a unbelievable, it was a great experience for me seeing the surgery side of it. Um, it wasn't a great experience from the person that the doctor that was, was there. And to this day, it, that's burned in the back of my brain. I have a lot of people that, you know, students, people interested in medicine, orthopedics, whatever that come in shadow and follow me. And I always try to make sure that they have a good experience with it because I didn't, um, the doc would, you know, disappear up the case. He said, you just go hang out with my PA today, my physician's assistant. And, and, uh, in between cases and he wouldn't really answer any questions or talk to me and it was just kind of a, a bad experience but it was it was something that seeing some of the surgeries and they were pretty straightforward knee arthroscopy and a couple other things um that really kind of drew me in fast forward um once i got into med school and you do your first couple rotations um, I knew that it was at the top of my list. So I got to figure this out if, if, if I'm interested or not. And, you, and the great thing about med school is you can really rotate through a bunch of different yeah. things and, and check it out. The first day in the OR for orthopedics, I was up and I did a, I did a rotation. I, was, I went to two years in Duluth for med school um, before, prior to the third and fourth years, then the 53 from Duluth, and I think it's 200-some from Twin Cities combined. We do our... our uh, our clinical rotations where you rotate to, through the various specialties third and fourth year in the Twin Cities, but you have the option to, to do a few rotations at Duluth. So one of the first ones I did to get out of the way was orthopedic surgery. Sure. The first day I was watching these surgeries and it was just, I was blown away. This is the coolest thing ever. And I called my mom at the end of the day and I said, no, I'm going to do the rest of my life. And so cool. it was just like that. And it was orthopedics or bust. I rotated through a bunch of other stuff you know, I was like doing, you know, anesthesiology and every time I'd be looking over the top of the, the, the drapes <laughs> to see what's going on, on the other side. Sure. And, you know, I was doing radiology and falling asleep, trying to look in a dark room, looking at x-rays and things. So there's nothing, you know, everything else just really, you know, the, the family practice or internal medicine side, I just couldn't see myself seeing patients in the office all day long. For me, surgery is so fun. And there's so much to it that uh, it is, if I could operate five days a week and, and not see anybody in the office, uh, you know, I think any surgeon would probably say that, but you know, that I sign me up. Right. Yeah. However, you know, I think when you're in training, you never want to do clinic at all. You just want to operate all the time. Now though, I think I appreciate clinic because I've established a lot of relationships with people over the time sure. and your patients are your biggest referral source, no matter what, you know, their right. experience and, 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 and how you treat them and them sending, you know, if they're going to send people back to you. So at the end of the day, um, you know, I've come to, to, to enjoy clinic. Um, there's some days better than others, but when people come back and they're happy and, 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 you know, you can see that you've made a difference. And I think that was the other thing that really drew me to orthopedics, not only the sports medicine side of it, taking care of the athletes, but people got better. And someone comes in with debilitating knee arthritis and you put a knee replacement in, they rehab it three, four months later, their life has changed. And they come in and they say, thank you. You know, you don't always get that when you're managing chronic, you know, medical conditions, diabetes or, or, or what have you, you name it. Right. right. Yep. And so you don't always get that. And there's some areas of medicine that are a lot more, you know, trials and tribulations. I mean, if you're an oncology doctor, yeah. And, and, and you're, you know, that's heavy. That's yeah. It's, it's cool. a lot to take home. Right. I mean, you have, you have like the ER side, the trauma surgery side where you have the rush, 
you know, the unbelievable, like adrenaline rush there is. I mean, that's why a lot of people go into those things. And and I got that experience when I was in, you know, med school and in residency, but you know, 120 hours a week. And, you know, at that time, and I mean, that was before the Institute of the work hour rules. I mean, it was literally, you're on call you're up all night. You, you start, you, you're working into the next day. You probably are going to go home about 7, 8 p.m. You'll collapse in your bed, and then you got to be back at the hospital by 3.34 in the morning to start rounding again. So, and then every third, you're, you know, every third to fourth day, you're on call again. And so it was just a grind. And for me, like, at the end of the day, um, there's got to be some lifestyle decisions too. So it was, you know, it was, it was the satisfaction of, of working with my hands, operating, which there's nothing like it. Um, the first time someone handed me a scalpel, I mean, it's just, you know, when you're in training and, and you're watching, watching, and all of a sudden it's like, it's your time there. It's unbelievable. They're giving like someone's giving me permission to, to do this to them, to cut them open and fix their, their, their issue. Um, so you get that rewarding aspect of it. And, um, I think those are, I made the right choice because at well, the end of the day, super reassuring yeah. when you're someone and you're, you're thinking about, oh, this person's going to operate on me to hear you say the words, I called my mom and told her, I know exactly what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Those are really reaffirming <laughs> words. That's the kind of person you want operated on you. Yeah. I mean, so. I think, you know, there's certain personalities that go into certain types of medicine. And then the day, I think, you know, if you, you if you're going to, um, stereotype, uh, a surgeon, it's going to be a type A personality. Um, I, I fit that, you know, I'm pretty competitive. Um, I'm driven, but I, at the end, end of the day too, I think that you, you have to have a certain level of, um, what's the word I'm probably looking for? Like steadiness, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, cause there can be a lot of things going on, um, right. when the crap hits the fan, kind of cool under pressure yeah you know so Mm -hmm. so and not everybody everybody kind of you know the stress the anxiety of it not everybody you know deals with the same way and you you hear a lot about people burning out you know it's a big issue in in medicine um you know i think that i picked the right area because every day i get up and i get you know i get tired at times because i got a pretty busy schedule but i get up every day and I, i love going to work and i look forward to it and like I said, I was in the OR today. Um, I did a bunch of surgeries. I keep it pretty light. You know, I've been in some ORs where no one t- can talk. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very like, you know, don't walking on eggshells type of deal. That's not my OR. I have heard, actually, I think I heard from you, uh, Jesse, the body, um, <laughs> that you like to play, is it classic rock? Uh, in there, your OR? Well, that's some sort of good music. There, That's one thing. Okay. One thing. So, okay, well, we, so, so we've had, you know, we've gone through some iterations. I have nurses, right? There's certain nurses in the OR that don't like certain music or like other music. So sure. I'll have requests. But at the end of the day, like, I kind of like, I went to school long enough. I'm going to pick out the music. So I'm going to try to accommodate everybody. And so for a while there it was like, you know, I'd try to see who's in the room and I'd play, you know. So it would go from like hard rock classic rock um hip-hop so hip-hop fridays love it okay <laughs> so if i'm in the or on friday if i have to have surgery i'm i'm getting it done on a friday so i can is that a positive thing under, for surgery i want hip-hop playing <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah so it's definitely hip-hop fridays uh people can't be too offended because it, I, I play the explicit um absolutely but it's a uh, i think you know when you look at music music to me is something that you know 
it, it, it makes you better, right? You know, if you if you see, you know, the athletes, you know, if you see the you know the NFL Focus. guys, right? They out they're out in pregame and and they they got their music bumping and they're they're getting focused, right? Yep. Same thing in the OR. If you have good music, there's nothing better. But if you have bad music, right? And I've been in some ORs when I was in training, and I'm like, what are we listening to? This case can't get over quick enough. Like, get me out of here, type of deal. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a certain mood, and they've they've actually studied some of this. But I think that you know it's it's certainly at a reasonable level that people can still com- you know, converse, um, you know, and especially like if, if we're getting in kind of like higher stress situations or things, the music gets, you know, turned down a little bit, but if we have straightforward stuff and, and, you know, I'm, I'm blessed that I'm 10 years, 10 plus years into practice. I'm kind of in my prime right now. So not a lot of stuff gets me too bent out of shape anymore, but we're going to, you know, I'm going to turn it on and people are going to, it's going to be a light, you know, light atmosphere. Everybody's, you know, obviously we're, we're there for the patient and that's what the sole goal, goal is. The focus is, but we're also, I'm not going to have a high anxiety type of type of right. room. I want everybody to kind of be laid back. Um, so definitely hip hop Fridays. And now recently, um, and I, I got, you know, blame my wife for this. I never used to listen. Hi, to, Lindsay. I used to never listen <laughs> to country music at all. Really? Until about uh, 10, 10 years ago, it. she got me. Good job, Lindsay. She got me. So now... I, I love a lot of classic rock and some hard rock and some things, and I love, I love hip-hop as well, but I also really love country. Yeah. So I'm but glad I'm, she got you. I'm all train. about the modern country, though. Like, oh, yeah, of the course. The bro country. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, of course, FGL. Kane Brown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know. Jason Aldean. Jason Aldean. There you go. You know, I, uh, so I'm, I'm kind of particular about that, but I I can't listen to the old twangy stuff. I can't either. I just can't do it. A couple songs, you know, that Garth has and stuff. Obviously they're classic. So I'll, I'm willing to listen to some old school stuff, but I really got to be in the mood. Yeah. But now, so now country's even mixed in because as I've gotten older, like country to me, um, used to be, you know, hunting, which I love and, 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 you know, drink, drinking beer or, you know, just kind of chill and relaxing right and so for me like there's a lot of it you know some of it's got rock more rock more some of it's got some Mm hip-hop to it some of it's got just kind of more laid back and so it puts me in a good mood like if i'm at the lake in the summer and i'm just i just want to relax i'll put on some country and i find myself now listening to it all the time so that's gotten in the rotation of the or as well so lately what i've been doing is i'm like okay there's sometimes that I, even in the middle of a case, I need the vibe to be switched up. And I, it's too hard to have the nerves switched up. So I just put everything in on my playlist, and I hit shuffle. Yep. <laughs> and then if people start complaining, I tell them, look, don't complain, because the next song you're probably going to like. And I'm holding the scalpel. Correct. So do you really want to complain about this? <laughs> yeah, back off. one fell swoop. <laughs> yeah, so at the end of the day, uh, yeah, That's it's awesome. a little bit of a mix of everything. So if you could li- so you get one choice, right? You get yep. one one group that you can live with, yep. right? Somebody says, you, know, you can't listen. You can only pick one group for the rest of your life. What would it be? Who's the artist? Who's the group? If I'm going to listen to one person, you can't listen to anything else for the rest of your life. You get one choice. What is it? Band, uh, person, Eric Church, love it. Ooh. Or probably now, Morgan Whalen. Love Both it good choices. Well. Yeah, Morgan has been hot on my playlist oh, lately. In He's everything he comes out with, so many things is, is sand in my boots. Yeah, great song. He's got a lot of a lot of goodies. I love that. So I got to ask, um, Operation. Was that like one of your favorite games as a kid? Did you have <laughs> Operation and did you suck at it? Were you really good at it? 
I think that uh, we did have it. I think I'm pretty good at it because I'm, you know. Do you have it now? If I play a board game with my seven-year-old, my wife yells at me because I need to win all the you're, time. You're too competitive. So uh, That's not a bad thing. <laughs> that teaches your kids something, though. Uh, that's what I'm you saying. Can't you can't win, win everywhere. You no. know, this whole Let them get a taste. You know, not everyone should be getting a participation trophy. That's right. Okay? I, I didn't get them when I was growing up, so mm-hmm. you know yeah, what? It's, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. But, yeah, I... Uh, yeah, I did have it. You know, I played it. Do you guys have it now, though, in your house? Uh, it is in the house. We played it every once in a while. Okay. I think it's like the Trolls version, actually. We got okay. it for Christmas a couple of years. It's so awesome. Oh, yeah. We should have brought it in here, Wes. I, I did think about it the other day as a question I was going to ask him. It would have been awesome. We just had it in the center of the table to see his eyes light up. Yeah. And we would have played him, see if we could beat him. Yeah, That'd exactly. Be awesome. Exactly. So That's awesome. as a surgeon, you, I mean, different orthopedic surgeons have... Uh, joints or things that they tend to specialize in. You you do knees. Yep. Uh, what else? What other joints do you focus on? So I did a sports medicine fellowship. Essentially okay. what that means is I've been in school a long, long time. Okay. So it's four years of college, four years of med school. I did five years of orthopedic surgery residency. You're essentially under someone else. Um, and, you know, other surgeons, you're learning, learning the craft and you're rotating through the various specialties. Um, and then once I was done with that, I decided I hadn't been in school long enough. And so I went <laughs> off to San Diego for some warm weather and I did a year for a sports medicine fellowship. Sure. Now the term sports medicine, it's, it's not entirely accurate, right? I don't just operate you know, with being a sports medicine doc and, and having a fellowship and that don't just operate on athletes, but it, it could be the weekend warriors or whatever. But essentially what that entails is shoulders, hips, knees, ankles, I operate a little bit on the hand and wrist, a little bit of elbow stuff. I don't do any spine surgery. I leave that to the spine surgeon in our group, and he's good at it, but that's not my, that's not my cup of tea. Um, so, you know, and I do a pretty wide variety of stuff, but my love is sports medicine. So whether it's rotator cuff repairs, ACL surgeries, I do a lot of hip arthroscopy. I'm, you know, in southern Minnesota, other than Rochester, the Twin Cities, I, I am by far the, the, you know, no one else in the group does it. I'm by far the most, the busiest uh, hip arthroscopy surgeon. So, and, and that's kind of a newer thing. And what exactly is that? I was so, just going to say arthro- so arthroscopy. I say so, so <laughs> all the surgeries I do when it comes to sports medicine, most of them are using a camera. Okay, mm-hmm. so arthroscopy or scope is using tiny poke hole incisions to accomplish what you need in whatever joint you're working in. Sure. So, um, you know, when it comes to hips, it's a very complex joint. It's very deep. Okay, your shoulder, your knee are pretty superficial, pretty easy to so you access. Have to, you have to get deep. You got to get deep. Okay, got it. <laughs> you got to get deep. to throw that in there. So Good. as my wife, who's had a, a, a hip surgery and i didn't do it so i guess you know i'm not violating the hipaa rules or anything um you know <laughs> from basketball yeah so well yeah i mean a from lot Lindsay yeah, and basketball yeah, yeah okay yeah wow. so um she goes so you tell she i'm trying to explain the surgery to her like what are what's going to happen during while i have this surgery and, and so she goes so you're going to pop my hip out of socket like a barbie doll and <laughs> to do what you need to do and i'm like yeah pretty much so we have to put someone in a and it's called a traction table now you sure. put a, a well padded boot around their uh, their foot. Mm-hmm. You have kind of a, a big post, a padded post that goes in between your growing, and essentially we pull traction on both of your feet, but we pull more on the on the hip that we're working on that we actually have to physically pull it out of the socket and dislocate it. Wow. Huh. To create space to then work. The person's sure. under while you're doing this. Correct. Okay, yeah, that's correct. Would be yes, painful. they definitely yeah, it'd be very Freedom. painful. And very freaky too. 
So, so what exactly is the work that you're doing then? So usually what we're doing is is uh, we'll end up uh, trimming down excess bone the pa- mm-hmm. patient's normally born with um, that's developed over time. And then there's a, a, a piece of tissue that surrounds the socket called the labrum. And they're a lot, very common to have a labral tear of the socket. So essentially we're distracting the joint, we're pulling it apart, we're, uh, you know, I'm going in there with a camera through one poke hole and then through the other poke hole I have various instruments that allow me to either, you know, like a Dremel tool allows me to shave down the bone and reshape it. Um, you know, we're drilling and, and, and placing anchors into the bone that have strong suture attached that will, uh, you know, repair the labrum back to the socket. Uh, you know, if there's cartilage damage, you know, the, the, you know, the cartilage that you we're all born with that when we lose, we end up having a, a joint replacement. So I'm, sometimes I'm addressing cartilage loss and trying sure. to regrow a scar cartilage. So, so I enjoy, you know, that surgery, you know, I do, um, you know, I do a lot of joint replacements. So knee, hip and shoulder, um, over 200 a year. Um, and that, you know, I do, I don't do any like redos, like revisions if, if they've worn out and need to be redone, but I do all primaries. So knee, hip and shoulder. Yeah. I love those. I mean, and those are those, I, I love to keep doing because patients are really appreciative. You get really worn out joints and plus they're, they're just fun surgeries. They're fairly, for me, um, most times they're fairly straightforward type procedures. There's, they're, they're kind of a cookie cutter approach. As far as you're making the same incision on each of them, you're doing the same, you know, um, you know, dissection to get to the to the joint. Um, you know, everybody's worn out a little bit different, but you're correcting that. And and uh, you know, when those patients come back, you know, three four months later, um, ultimately once they've fixed, you know, they finished their rehab, they're all mm-hmm. very very happy people. Well, so. I'll say my dad just had a hip replacement by your colleague Kyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, just back in August, and that was that was really big for him. He yeah. had chronic pain. I mean, it was bone on bone yep. for his hip joint. He's 66 years old. Had it done. I don't think he thought that he could have it done because he's a, a larger man. And so 66 years old, you know, uh, at, at the weight class that he was, it's not something that's normally done. Yep. A surgeon has to really feel confident that yep. they can get it done because there's so many complications. And it really made a big difference, and so it was. We're we're really grateful to have OFC in our backyard because yeah. if it wasn't for you guys, you know, our own family members wouldn't have well, the quality of life that they have. Well, we appreciate so. we appreciate you get you for I appreciate you for saying that, and especially you know, we've had a long history in this town, and and some really good surgeons, and and, and Dr. Swanson is a, a very good uh, joint surgeon among you know a lot of the other, my other uh, partners at at the office, and so um, and that's the you know the thing is is there's always going to be work to be done. Everyone's getting older, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's sports injuries, whether it's joints wearing out. And so that's the, the great thing. And, you know, I've, I've, I've been lucky enough to be here for 10 plus years and establish a lot of relationships with people around. And now a day doesn't, you know, doesn't go by where I'm not getting texts or calls from either a friend or a friend of a friend or someone's telling, Hey, can we get, get my, you know, so-and-so in to see you. And, you know, my philosophy has always been, I never say no. So, um, it's, 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 played out well for me uh over the years to uh you know get busy and stay busy right that's awesome how many partners at ofc so i believe there are nine of us at this point um actually eight and one is is not has not been voted and you have to essentially be there for two years okay um and then everyone uh all the partners sit around the 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 desk at the meeting and decide do we want to keep this person on and and make them a a full-fledged partner and then they have to buy into the business because we're each, you know, it's a private orthopedic group, essentially meaning that we, I own 
uh, one eighth of the of the uh, of the business. Got it. And so new people coming on then have to buy in, and eventually they become you know a fully vested partner. Is the the uh, private orthopedic group? You just said that, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what you mentioned? Is that a normal kind of thing? Is that happen? around the nation, like this type of thing that you guys have created with OFC, or is this more of a specialty thing where you guys, you, you decided this is what you want and you created it? You see a lot more in orthopedics, okay. um, but I'll tell you with a lot of the healthcare changes and, and uh, um, when uh, Obamacare came in a few years ago, you've seen a lot of consolidation. And actually private groups that once were, in, in not only orthopedics, but other very specialties, decided that there's a lot of rules and regulations out there. I mean, we have... And we have over 100 employees. It's crazy how many. When I first came there, I was blown away. Like, all these people work for us. Um, but you have to hire so many employees to try to, you know, meet these rules and regulations to get paid. And so a lot of people, they don't want to do the business side, right? They just want to do the medicine side. I enjoy the business side of it as well. I like working for myself. I could never do it any other way. You know, so I like to sit around a table and make decisions on, on the business side. But so orthopedics is very common. But you, you over the last probably ten years, there's there it's 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 dropping, and it's unfortunate because I think that you know it it increases the cost of medicine um, overall. But you know, we at OFC uh, have maintained. You know, we've been here for sixty plus years. Um, when it was founded and you know we're fiercely independent and we'll always stay that way um, they certainly see uh, you know groups of various sizes like Twin Cities Orthopedics is pretty well known with the Vikings yeah. up in the Twin Cities um, that's over a group of over 100 surgeons now each of wow. them were eight nine ten surgeons in, in little groups around the cities and they all decided to come together and join um, you have uh, like in Minnesota there's St. Cloud Orthopedics which is a private orthopedic group uh, there's a private group in Duluth and then you have you know other places that you know multi-specialty groups um, that will that are a combination of all kinds of doctors and then you have hospital-based practices where you know the, the hospital hires out the uh, hires out the docs sure absolutely oh that's cool I'm, I'm glad it's and you guys are busier than ever I'm busier than ever just <clears throat> Last year was a record year. Yeah, I think both last for my, time I talked to you, Jay yeah. Longs, you were you're telling me just yeah, it's both for, both for myself and and for the uh, group as a whole. And and uh, I used to have kind of a lull, you know, come this time of year, um, you get into into the duct, deductible season, and everybody decides that uh, you know they're going to wait a while to get anything done. And I just I have not slowed down, and it's been like that for the last couple of years. Um, so. It's just, you know, you just put the nose to the grindstone keep rolling, you know, keep rolling. I was talking to Bobby Naraki, yep. their office manager out there. She's a friend, and she, we were talking marketing-wise, some yep. different things for OFC, and I think she put it really well as far as the clientele you serve, uh, cradle to grave, right? Yeah, like absolutely. the entire full spectrum of anyone and everyone yep. because there's issues that pop up at all stages of life, which I think is... Um, just a cool thing to be able to experience in your Absolutely. guys' shoes. And, and, you know, we have some really great docs there, um, and we don't, there's not very much stuff that ever has to get shipped away, right? You know, um, whether it's call stuff or whatever, like some really bad pelvic trauma, if it were to come in, um, you know, that stuff gets sent to like Hennepin County um, or regions or whatever. But the uh, we pretty much handle everything, whether it's pediatrics, you know, elderly, you know, we don't turn, turn it away. And, and uh, we, you know, like I said, I never say no. 
Um, and you know, if I can't fix it, I know someone in the group can, can fix it, you know, with everybody's kind of various, uh, experience, uh, expertise. Cool. It's Very huge. cool. So obviously OFC surgery, all of this has been a huge part of your life. Yep. Jesse, obviously. Um, what does, what's Jesse's favorite thing to do or Cole's Cole's favorite thing to do? <laughs> the body, uh, the body, Cole, the cool, Cole. Um, what do you, what's, what does Jesse do outside of surgery and, and OFC? What's, what's your life like? So, um, I would say outside of OFC. And what do you do for fun? Uh, there's, I, mean, a, I know you like a, your jobs. There's, so there's, there's, there's quite a few things. And you know what? <laughs> I, I have a philosophy, work hard, play hard. Sure. Okay? So when it comes to outside of work, um, you will find me in a few different places. So if it's summertime, we will be at the lake. Um, usually, lake? Uh, uh, lake Francis. Nice. Usually, uh, wake surfing. Yes. So huge into wake surfing. Um, all the time I sold everything, wakeboards, skis, everything, got rid of it all. Um, all I do is wake surf. My wife, I got her into it a few years back and it's great because when I used to wake board and I'd beg her to drive, um, she would not want to, and she just want to lay there and get some sun and, <laughs> I think part of it was maybe because I got on her a little bit because she wasn't quite driving the way that, you know, <laughs> sure. um, and so when we switched, I mean, you're going 11.2 miles an hour and there's nothing better about 6 PM. Everybody clears off the lake. We have it to ourselves. I call it the, the, you know, the, uh, it's, it's the power hour, right? The sun's coming down. Mm-hmm. The lake is glass. And you get the tunes cranked up and you're just surfing right behind the boat and you're just having the time of your life. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful lake too. It's a spring fed lake. I grew up practically on Lake Francis because as previously mentioned, Alec Miller, his family was on Francis and it's just such a a nice spot. We're lucky in Southern Minnesota to have lakes Uh, like this. You know, when you have, when you see the the water quality compared to, you know, some of the other lakes around, you just can't beat it. And uh, that that was probably one of the best. Uh, you know, our lake cabin was one one of the best you know, like snap purchases. Like we were not. I mean, it just it was crazy. Kind of how it all came together. And, and, and a week later, there we had a, a lake cabin. But the um, we'd always wanted to be on the lake. Um, you know, my first purchase when I finally got my big boy job, as I told my parents, I get my big boy job. Um, was I wanted to buy a boat. I didn't want a car. I didn't want a house. I wanted a boat. <laughs> like, I've been growing up looking at, like, the Mastercraft, uh, um, you know, the uh, X-Stars and, and watching all these guys wake wakeboarding or whatever. But after a couple hard falls, I decided that I need to pay for that boat, um, you know, because boat stands for bust out another thousand. Yep. So yeah. I had to pay for it. So surfing is a lot better. Um, yeah. so usually, yeah, in the summertime, you find us at the lake, uh, having, having some good cocktails. I've seen some surfing. of the social posts and I'm in some of those sunset little, uh, episodes with wake surfing and I'm yeah. like, that looks amazing. There's nothing better. So what do you got for a boat? Um, Even though I don't know a lot about them. Tell us what boat uh, you got. Mastercraft X24. And it's your baby. That's, that's the baby. Is yep. it, where is it in the line of your family as far as love? <laughs> So it's well, well obviously my wife's at the top. Is she? You know, with my kids. I mean, you they're just all, talked about this boat. They're all they're all the same. He was and licking his boat. lips a lot when he was talking about this yeah, boat. Yeah, the so boat's the boat's down down somewhere. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good answer, yeah. Jess. Yep, definitely. Good smart. answer. Very smart. <laughs> yeah. No, so so that's the wake surfing. You also like we love concerts. My wife and I absolutely love concerts. We love music, live music. 
Um, and so we have been to so many concerts. My wife and I, I mean, it started like when we first started dating and I came, I mean, I, I wish I could tell you a number it's in the hundreds as, as far as concerts go. We've seen, you know, probably some of my favorite concerts, air church, Nickelback, even though, you know, everyone's yeah. got, you know, Nickel, oh, Nickelback's Nickelback good. A, a bad rap. Up. I'm yeah. telling you that live, yeah. those yeah, guys are unbelievable. Um, but usually, I mean, so the crazy, one crazy story I got for you when it comes to concerts. Okay. So what's the furthest anyone's ever traveled to see somebody? Well, I know where you're going with this, I think, because you went with a group and I remember seeing this. The furthest I've traveled for a concert, I don't know, like four hours. Yeah, I went to Milwaukee with the intention of the whole purpose was uh, the concert, but I've also gone to Vegas and seen some acts, so I don't know if that counts. You know, so we, we've we've had some summers, <clears throat> outdoor concert series, you know, so I think there was one summer, I think we went to one or two at Target Field, then we went to Kansas City to Arrowhead, um, we went to uh, Fenway, um, we saw Aldine and Kid nice. Rock, That's which awesome. was an unbelievable show. Yeah. Um, but the craziest was my wife texts me and with uh, two of our good friends, the shoes decides that, uh, well, we need to, we, you know, Dave, she was talking to Dave and was figuring out Michelle's birthday present. And he's like, well, I got this, you know, thing in my email from, um, you know, Iceland air that if you buy an airline <laughs> ticket, you can get Ed Sheeran tickets that come with it sure so you know dave starts talking to my wife and she texts me and she goes we're going to iceland i go <laughs> great when well like it was like in two like two or three weekends after that it was yeah. like really short turnaround right mm -hmm. so you think you go to iceland you go see the sites you travel around the country spend a couple weeks there you know you have a good time right yeah no you went we, out there to just see the we, concert no we flew out on like a thursday night Took the overnight, got in like on a Friday morning. We went straight to the Blue Lagoon. I barely slept on the plane, so I'm like almost delirious. I just couldn't get comfortable and fall asleep. Go to the Blue Lagoon, Lagoon. We start having some cocktails. Um, the concert is later that evening, so we check into our hotel. Went and got our tickets. Uh, I slept in the vehicle. My wife stood an hour for in line for two hours and got really upset at me. I needed some sleep. We went to the concert that night. The next day we flew back. Wow. Super quick. Yeah, for an Ed Sheeran concert. For an Ed Sheeran concert. I was going to say that's the definition of traveling for The concert, concert was unreal. You know, Sheeran was, was, was I had never seen him live before. He doesn't have anybody with him. It's just him and mm -hmm. his guitar. And yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever seen him live or seen him perform. I have. I have not. It mm -hmm. is spectacular. And I, you know, I've always like... Live music, if you have a good performer, like you hear them on the radio and it's very, you know, cookie cutter. They're in the, they're, they're cutting everything in their, in their studio. And it's not, I love it when you have someone that, that, that uh, takes it to the next level. They give it their own spin on it. Right. Right. And so, but he's up there and he's like beating on his guitar, like for the bass. And he's got these pedals up there that he hits and he records it. And then he loops it in. And then he loops it in. And yep. then he'll add the next thing. And then he'll loop it. And then all of a sudden, he gets going. And then the whole song kicks in. He's got these loops in the background. And it's just him. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Your mind's blowing. It's really cool. Yeah. It's I remember really seeing cool. a selfie of uh, you guys in the Shoofs uh, doing that trip. Yeah. 
It looked amazing. Was there some mountains in the background too, and some things, or just? It, well, you, just looked... yeah, we we're right on kind of the, the the water there, but it was it. We're in like their their soccer stadium, okay. uh, in Reykjavik, and it was, uh, yeah, it was it was, and so I flew in there thinking, oh, it was like summertime there. Mm, that's a bad idea. Like I didn't I didn't have <laughs> enough warm clothes. Like I thought, oh, you know, it was going to be sixty degrees or whatever. Well, it's a cold sixty there, but okay. it's a beautiful country and so all three of those guys have been there my wife had been there for a soccer trip with our oldest but i never had a chance to, to get there so next time we're going for a couple of weeks yeah, yeah yeah you guys that was that's a that's a long ways to travel for a short yeah. short little period of time yeah how did you like the blue lagoon for those of you who don't know what the blue lagoon is it's this it's this beautiful kind of well you explain it jesse what is well it? it's it's i know it's, what it is, it's this but. warm spring essentially Right. And it's, it, the water is like almost like milk colored. It's, and it's, it's just a, it's unbelievable. I, I, I don't know. And like the clay, they say, has some healing, healing properties. Yeah. People yeah. Spread They'll do like the, you know, like the facials. We all did the facials or whatever you put it, you know, they, they smear this stuff on your face. And I mean, it's just, it's like hot springs, you know? Yeah. So yeah. It's, was it warm? Was it really warm? Yeah. It's or like, just like, because you had like the air temp. And you had the, the, the steam rising off the top of it. Right. You know, so. I've seen many an Instagram story from there, and it looks absolutely gorgeous. The country in general looks mm-hmm. amazing. Iceland mm-hmm. looks amazing. I and was told a, that the cars and just about everything in Iceland is super small. Yeah. Like, uh, my buddy that went, he rented a car, and they tried to fit their entire family of four in there. And it was nothing, like, no smart brilliant. car level. Like, yeah. that's how small it was. So you can't, you know, and it's a, it's, it's a pretty, you know, small country overall, um, but it's not a quick, it's a quick flight. It's only like six hours to get there. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, you know, really? they get direct flights. Six hours? Direct flights from Minneapolis. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Crazy. Yeah. I just I thought not it would have been a lot longer. So next time Ed's playing there, look him up, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah Aaron and I will fly all the way over there for an Ed Sharon concert. We'll do it. Do you want to go swimming in the Blue Lagoon with me? Sure, in we'll do speedos. that. Let's let's do it. We'll let's get deep in get the deep, Blue Lagoon. Get deep on our speedos. <laughs> We've been talking about adding that to the merch shop. We're going to launch a merch shop, and there we'll have go. some some men's and women's underwear. I like <laughs> it. Let's get deep. I like it. I love it. So you you mentioned okay. So you said there's a few things that you enjoy doing in your uh, spare time, fun time outside of surgery and OFC. One of them you mentioned, of course, is um, uh, the lake life, and then you said concerts. Yep. I'm going to, can I guess the other one? Yeah, you can guess the other one. Possibly big game hunting? Possibly, yes. Am I right? Ooh, Absolutely. I've seen some pictures. Now, I'm not a hunter, so I'm not going to even pretend like I, I do it. I don't have anything against it. I just don't do it. Yep. Um, but there has been some wild trips that you have been on. Yeah. When we um, say big game, what are we talking? We're talking big game. So I, I'm an experienced guy, okay? okay. I'm blessed. I've worked hard to get where I am in my life and, and, you know, I work, work hard, play hard. I've always, I grew up hunting. My dad, um, got me into it, you know, back home, Western Minnesota, duck and goose hunting, you know, Friday night lights. We play football Saturday morning. We lived out in the farm. We had literally 500 feet from our front door was a, a duck slough and my buddies would come over and we'd shoot ducks on Saturday morning. Um, duck, geese, pheasant, deer. So, I got moved to Mankato and I've always wanted to bow hunt. And so I got to Mankato and I got a couple like bow hunting nuts in my office. 
Um, and so I was like, I, you know, I want to get into this. I just never had time and now I have time. So feel more peer to you. Is that why you wanted to get into the bow hunting? I did. Like, I think, you know, what I wanted is I've always like big antlers, big horns. Like, like I, I haven't duck or goose hunted in 15 or 20 years. I, last time I pheasant hunted was probably seven years ago when my golden retriever was still alive. And I, and, and ever since he got too old to hunt, I just, I, I haven't gone back, but like whitetail hunting was like my first passion. And where I grew up, like if it's brown, it's down, you know, is the, is the speak. And so, you know, <laughs> the, a lot of the deer don't get to be older. And I've always been like just enthralled with huge antler deer and to get that they have to grow old and mm-hmm. so and to do and to be able to 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 hunt them and to to uh you know have that you got to spend a lot more time mm-hmm. and so part of part of me is i need time away from my busy schedule and bow hunting like as i got into it it's it's not all about everyone thinks hunting oh you're just out there to kill the animals it has nothing to do with it i mean obviously it's a part of it don't get me wrong but the you're in nature you are in their element and with bow hunting i'll pass up hundreds of deer before i will ever shoot a mature buck who is four or five years of age who is and most of them never lived to be that that age most you know two to three years of age is the average age of a, of a male whitetail buck so i'm in their element i'm in their bedroom so that's the appeal for me for bow hunting plus it's the skill like for me when i'm sitting in my backyard or i go to the archery park on 169 i'm shooting it's very relaxing to me um and so it kind of lets me kind of just get into the deep breathing and you're and it's just you're out there um you know the the first year that i bought the bow i didn't hunt i just i just shot it in my backyard so that fall i live on the ravine and the, the leaves are falling and it's it's just one of those beautiful warm fall days and all of a sudden i hear this crunching coming you know (laughs) and i look to my right and not 30 yards away are eight doe just walking as i'm shooting my bow right there i'm just practicing Mm -hmm. and it was just like it was one of those things where it's like that just kind of brings you back and it gets me recentered so i you know when i'm you know i I, it's my therapy time so i go you know so that's where where i started with is i would go i've been to like illinois south dakota wisconsin all these like top iowa top whitetail states for big antler deer and i'm very picky i usually don't shoot one i usually am am, am striking out eating what they call tag soup um but (laughs) i've been lucky um and i now i think i you know i have six or seven very nice white tails that i've I've been you know and most i think only one was with a gun every every other one was with a bow and you know i've only been doing it 11 years now um so the one guy that got you know was i was kind of picking his brain in my office is telling me that i'm 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 get a lucky rabbit foot in my back pocket, so to speak, because most people don't, don't do that. So as I kind of got into that, I started making bucket lists. Sure. You know, so everyone's kind of got those bucket lists and, and I like to travel. Um, I want to see some places in my life. And so I started doing bucket list hunts as well. Animals or things, you know, I'll be watching outdoor channel and watching whatever. And I'm like, well, that would be really cool to go on, on that. So um, I have now traveled to New Zealand to hunt red stag, which are just an unbelievably majestic animal. Super cool. Um, 
and I was very fortunate to come away with two really, really big stags. They are absolutely ginormous. Uh, my wife uh, is not a big fan because you need really tall ceilings, and, and uh, <laughs> that's always a negotiation uh, sure. afterwards. I was going to ask you, how many mounts do you, do you have in your, your place? So cabin. in the cabin, one, two, three, four, five. Five are up in the cabin, whitetails. I have two more in the basement um, in my little kind of gun safe room slash kind of hunting room. Um, I have two big red stags that are up in the living room. That was a big negotiation process with my wife. <laughs> she finally relented. <laughs> Um, and then I have two huge elk that I was able to, I've been out to Wyoming twice and, and both days, both times shot elk on my first days with, with a bow, which wow. is like unheard of. You do got that lucky rabbit foot. Yeah. And yeah. so I feel very fortunate with some of those things, but like probably my favorite thus far has been, well, God, there's a lot of favorites and I have a lot more bucket list items. Like the elk hunts are, we are up in the mountains you, you have your bow, like you have to get close, right? These are within 50 yard shots. So yep the animal has the advantage right yep. and that's that's what everybody you know so again it's not it's about the experience for me and it's about you know as hunters i want more than anything conservation right i you know i pay a lot of money in for these places to mm -hmm. be preserved for these animals to thrive right and i'm only taking you know old mature animals that have lived a very good life and so that's very important and i eat i eat it as well like that's the thing like i love like wild game that's everything. exactly where i was going to go so with the I two elks it. you brought that meat back oh, with you so because good. i've wanted to do elk meat i've, I've wanted to eat it's, elk meat it's for so a healthy long time it's so healthy for you. It's right. and it's it's delicious. Yeah, it's absolutely delicious. So, the uh, so I've done the elk, and then I got we got the craziest trip lately is we got back from South Africa. So with the pandemic and everything, um, we were able to get sneak out there and bless my wife's heart. Um, she is she is a saint, and she Thanks, is Lindsay. Lin Lindsay. Lindsay's the Jesse best. the body. Lindsay's the best. Dreams. But she uh, she's never been hunting with me. So it's not one of her deals. Um, we went to South Africa, and my goal was to go. And in Africa, there's a lot of different animals to hunt. I mean, it's it's the the most it's unbelievable. It is a spectacular place just for everything, as far as the the land. Um, you know, you got the mountains, you got lowlands, you got you know, just it's just and then we're sitting at in a ground blind so it's in the in the dirt you're probably about six to eight feet deep um in the ground and it's like a, a hut that they make out of i don't know if it's you know they how they do these huts but only the top sticks out and they got a little you know heat stack that comes out or whatever so all you have is just the shooting window for the bow and then we had a little window that we had like set up for a, a little camera. And then we have these little rose color windows along the bottom. How big is the shooting window? Uh, shooting window is probably about a uh, foot wide by probably four foot tall. Because I'm just trying to imagine maneuvering a bow mm -hmm. with a window like that. That in, seems like it would be tricky. Inside, you can actually stand up in this blind though. So it's like you're standing, you can kind of maneuver a little bit. Um, and then there's a, there's a watering hole. So you sure. essentially are sitting at, in front of this watering hole all day long okay yeah. so starts off early in the morning and you want to talk about 
the coolest animals in the world that you've ne- you've only seen on television I was or say in books. Like Discovery yeah. Channel or National Geographic. These animals like start coming in to the water, and so you know as it gets hotter in the day, and so it's just the coolest thing to sit there and watch them in their element. And to, you know, get the GoPro out or the video out. And I mean, so one after another is coming in. And so my wife um, is like, well, you know, everything's kind of shut down with the pandemic. So she came with and she was able to kind of see me in my element. And she kind of got, you know, I thought she got into it. Now, she may tell you differently, but she was like, oh, look at that. Look at that animal. Mm-hmm. And so that was a super cool trip. Um, we spent like the per- first three days sitting in the blind and bless my wife because you know as guys we can go to the bathroom fairly easy you can't leave the blind so we have little you know you know cans to essentially go in yep. and so there's the guide you know that is telling you yes that's a good animal no that's not you know um and then you have my wife and i and so she literally went like three straight days and didn't go to the bathroom at all for sun up to sundown wow so I was pretty impressed. She's got a you know bladder of steel, I guess. I was going to say. <laughs> Must yeah. have learned that from her college so days, right? <laughs> if you go all the way, so you, you, you sleep out there as well? You, no, you, so you, you come in, you come come in, you come in at and, night, and then they have the okay. whole you know ambiance. You get the fire pit going, and they make every night you have a different you know menu. So they're serving awesome. you all kinds of wild, you know, all the animals, any animal that's harvested, you usually would have the next night. Okay. So, um, you know, I had a gims buck and so super cool animal and so the next night we had gims buck it and it was i couldn't believe how good it was and normally my wife gets a little bit eh, i don't know if i really want to try that she's not a big venison person she'll eat elk she was trying everything um very you know and that's kind of part of the whole experience for me um is to take some of these trips and to go to some of these cool places but africa was cool so we spent three or four days and then we did the photo safari and then we came back and it had rained for like two straight days. Well, then you're not going to have good luck bow hunting. So at that point, then we got in the safari trucks and then we were able to drive around all the properties. And we're talking like 40,000 acres hmm. of, of land that, that, that we're hunting and looking for various animals. And, you know, it's one of those things where if you're, if you're a hunter, it's kind of like the, it's your playground, right? right. It's, it's so cool because you're seeing, every, you turn around, like, oh, there's a giraffe. Oh, there's, you know. You know, every time you look, there's something new and cool. And it's just, you know, and for me, again, it's all about the antlers for me, the horns for me. So anything with super big horns, like, you know, kudu was out, is always on the bucket list of anybody. Is this spiral, spiral horns? horns. Ooh, they have those like are that, cool. Really tall. Yeah. And then uh, sable. So sable kind of, it comes out the front and then it sweeps way back. Okay. Um, super cool animals. Um, you know, and it's like. I got there and there was probably about 40 different animals. I was like, oh, I'd love to be able to, to, to hunt this. So I'm going to have to go back. So again. what all did you end up getting? Oh, there was a lot. Um, Impala, <laughs> Blast Buck, Gims Buck, um, Kudu, Sable, Mountain Reed Buck. This is an expensive hobby. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say, how do you get... I mean, first of all, you gotta you gotta buy tags. You gotta yep. you gotta buy the tags, yep. which aren't cheap. You nope. gotta get there. Yep. Um, stay there, hire a guide, ship these animals, or at least the head or the horns or whatever, back. Yep. Unless you're bringing them on the plane with you, are you the type no, that holds the antlers in the <laughs> no, plane in your no. lap the whole time and <laughs> no. never goes pee? It might be a little controversial. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and I'm not asking you to tell us. I mean, unless you really <laughs> want to, but. Um, 
that stuff's it's got to be definitely an investment so i oh I, it is i can it sense is. the passion i mean this is obviously your passion yeah. so it's it's one of those things where yes and and you know the the, the hope my wife i'm, I'm going to hopefully pull them out and have them in some type of display area and, and we have plans in place you know to eventually do that so i can get it out of her hair <laughs> because she looked at me and she goes i don't know where you think you're going to put all of these <laughs> But it's, you know, it's not going, so you're going to have to figure it out. So anyway, but no, so they, they have a taxidermy place there okay. that takes, you know, everything, nothing is wasted. Okay. So we ate as much food as we could, um, but you can't bring it back overseas. Okay. So you can't ship it out. Like when I go to, to, to Wyoming, to Elk Hunt or Colorado, like I, I drive there. So I, and I have two huge coolers. So I make sure I can take everything back with me. Is that specific to South Africa or it's is it any country that you travel to? Because I was going to say, I have a buddy that's done fishing, deep yeah. sea fishing in Mexico. Okay. And you can get it flown back from Mexico. There are certain, um, they call it bushmeat over there. And okay. it is a delicacy. Like they will much rather in South Africa or anywhere in Africa eat wild game mm-hmm. than cow. Okay. Sure. So it is, but there's certain rules with the USDA and there's some other regulations that you can't plus like it's, it would be so expensive to try to pack it up, get it to, to freeze it, to keep it, you know, sure. to get it back. Right. So, but nothing goes wasted because you have, you have the, the that person that you're hunting with the outfitter, um, the owner uh, has a pH professional hunter. They have to go through a very rigorous training to get that. Then you have trackers that are with them. And these are, these trackers are, they're like literally, when they say trackers, they have falling tracks, not like, you know, uh, blood trails or anything. Like if you're a hunter, you kind of know that, you know, you're, you know, if you, you, you harvest an animal, you're going to follow the, the, the trail. Now they're literally follow, can follow tracks and they're unreal, but they, you know, there's a lot of mouths to feed. So all of this food goes to either the local uh, workers or to local villages. And so that's a great thing. But then the, you know, all the, 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 the hides or the capes um, and the, the skulls and the, the antlers, the horns all come back. Cool. And so then I have a, uh, a taxidermist and, and Nicolet that uh, he gets, I, I pay him a lot of money. Yeah, is that North Star? <laughs> yeah, or, North Star. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff Holman does a phenomenal yeah, job. That's oh. a best friend of yours now, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, what is the weirdest thing you've eaten from a wild animal? Have you... Oh, that's event. a good question. I mean, you like eating meat, obviously. There was um, one thing that they, they had on the menu, and I took a picture of it every night, but it was some, it, I can't remember which animal it was. It was testicles. I, I yeah, was going to ask. That's what I was going to ask, too. It, yeah. You know, brain or and so How did they taste? Uh, it was really good. And then afterwards, they kind of joked that they had just said it was, and, and, the, that, and they made it kind of shaped into it, but I don't think it actually was. Oh. So, because my wife's like, I'm not touching that. And they're like, oh, we're just kidding. It's not really. But I don't know. Maybe they're it, just trying to get her to eat it, too. How is it know. prepared? Um, well, I, they, I think they, they, they rolled it in something, and they, they deep fried that. But, I mean. Oh, wow. Anything they, deep fried. I mean, the <laughs> testicles of these big game animals, they're not like human testicles, right? I mean, they're pretty large and in charge. So, you'd think. Well, I mean, you're a morning person, so <laughs> he Jesse eat. grabbed his glass. Yeah. Like, I'm drinking for this one. I don't know where he's going with this big testicle thing here. But you know, there's a lot of people out there that'll eat like the you know the liver, the heart, and you know they they, the they want meat. that they yeah. want that over anything, right? You know? Well, uh, it has a lot this, of nutrients too. If you follow this guy on uh, lately on Instagram, Liver King, 
Liver King. I have mm. not. Oh, no. You just, just follow him. It's Liver a, King. A, yes. Liver King. Okay. I'm writing um, it down right yeah. now. So you want to talk about someone that, that uh, he's, he's, he's a little bit off the reservation, but it's kind of funny just to see <laughs> his, uh, see his videos and, and, and what he does. But the, uh, anyway, no. So I would say probably at the top of my head, that would probably be, probably be it. But the, okay. um, but no, I mean, I'm all about, again, experiences. I will try anything. Like when it comes to food, um, you know, all, you know, any type of wild game and, and there's a lot of it out there kind of expand the horizons. Um, and you know, we had some great cooks when we were there, but we were actually supposed to go to Spain. Um, it would have been like in another week, um, to hunt Ibex this year, but everything is shut down. We were actually gonna take two weeks, Barcelona, Madrid, Seville, travel around and we canceled it too much rules and regulations right now none of the stuff is open and so sure. um, hopefully next year um, and then a few more trips but I decided to start I'm trying to be better because my wife did not have a great experience in South that we she hunted with me but she didn't really get to see any of the you know go anywhere right so next time I'm going to do it better um, we'll go to you know wine country we'll do because when we went to New Zealand that was a cool part I hunted for three or four days and we saw all of South um you know, the South Island, Marlboro to my, you know, my wife's favorite wine destination, Sauvignon Blanc. She just, you know, she loves it. Um, and we went all the way down to uh, Cape Town where they do the bungee, yeah. bungee jumping. Um, and so there was just a lot of cool places. And so that's what I'm trying to incorporate in, like hunt animals for a few days and then go and see the land. But I just told her, I said, there's too many animals in, in Africa to like, I'm sorry. I was just a little bit, you know, tunnel, tunnel vision. <laughs> Gotta selfishly so. do it. I love it. Yeah. No, that's. <laughs> but good. yeah, no. I, you know, uh, bow hunting preferably, but you know, every once in a while, you know, rifle. But yeah, I just there's something about it. I love being in the outdoors, and for me, that's you know, that gets. It. I don't. I don't fish a lot, but but hunting is is definitely up my alley. Do you hunt at all, Aaron? I don't. Do you have anything that you've ever wanted to hunt? Because I also don't hunt. Yes. But there's one animal that I, I've always thought about going after. But the most elusive prey. Tell humans. Me. Ooh, there you go. Thought that about dark. it. I just don't know. Well, number one, it's illegal. <laughs> so it? that's partly why that's, I haven't It's done against that. some rules or something? Yeah, some rules. Uh, plus, um, because they think a lot like I do, it's they're really difficult. It depends on who you're hunting. What about you? Uh, Any animals? Uh, alligators. Really? Which For is real? which is totally legal in like Florida, right? Mm-hmm. And that's um, I don't know. They're just cold blooded, right? So it's really easy to think about cold taking one out. Maybe but it also get some boots poses some threats to oh, you, yeah. right? Oh, like yeah. so, you get the that's adrenaline part going of yeah, like, yeah, a little bit of that. But you know, other than that, I'm not a real big hunter but i respect and appreciate the art and skill of it too and i love the purists because that is i think what speaks to me about hunting in general is just if you're out there it's meditative being a part of of the elements of what's you know the landscape everything that's going on being one with nature i think that that's really cool and i think if you're leveling the playing field so to speak and and doing that bow hunting thing it, it just creates this connection back to older times right 100 percent. i will say i don't hunt again but what whatever you believe is cool uh i do believe in god i feel the closest to my creator to god when i'm in nature Mm -hmm. Uh, the boundary waters one of my favorite places to go um do a little bit of fishing tent 
camp yeah. in. It's amazing. Fall off the map for five days. You can't even use your phone. It, it's awesome. And you bonfire. You have some some drinks with some friends and with your company. And I love that. Have some uh, drinks so like I this think, Chan Casca. Oh, yeah. You know, we'll talk about that. Yeah, being in nature, though, it's my jam. I, I absolutely yeah. love it. And it's one of my, my favorite things to do. A lot of people don't know that, though, because I dress up so much with, in suits or sport coats. <laughs> They're like, you like nature? Or they might be surprised, even, Jesse, that you even go on these hunts. That's true. Because you're wearing these beautiful suits all the yeah. time. Well, you, you know, know my so guy, you know, all my guys, uh, especially Aaron Jones over at <laughs> Jay Long's, gets me all uh, ready to roll for Thank work. you. Here's $6 for your next big ticket right. tag. Well, speaking of, speaking of Jay Long's, I mean, that's the thing, you know. I met you first at, over at Jay Long's, and so I used to, you know, I love to, you know, you know, look good, you know, feel good, right? So I dress up for work, come in. And that's just how it's going to be. Like, I'm going to wear, you know, it used to be suits, and now you guys have gotten me into the more of the sport coat type deal. I used to wear a, a tie every day, and I, I don't, you know, I like the pocket square, though. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but I had my guy, Curtis Washington. He was a great guy up at uh, Men's Warehouse in the cities. And so, I, you know, I was moving down here, and I'm like, God, I have to drive up to see Curtis just to get, you know, because he and I spoke the same language when it comes to, what I like, a lot of paisley ties back then, and like, <laughs> yeah. you know, cool, cool suits with pinstripes. And back then it was like three or four buttons, right? And I remember coming in and it was Jay Long's place and, you know, meeting Aaron for the first time. And we start jiving off of, you know, like, he starts picking things out, putting together. I'm like, this guy speaks my language. I don't need to go see Curtis anymore. Sorry, Curtis, but you know, I don't need to see, see him anymore. But my, my style has kind of hey, changed Curtis. because of you guys over the, well, over the years. There's so. so much truth to that, though. I've got a buddy that actually messaged me the other day. His name's Jeremy Herkinoff, and he's probably even listening to this episode, but he drives down from the cities to come see Aaron and Jay Longs because when you find the right person that just knows your style and knows how to make you look good, you, you don't give it up. But and, kind. Here's the problem, though. Here's the problem. When I show up to Jay Long's, okay, whatever it is, you know, it's probably about every six months, I have to hide that receipt from my beautiful <laughs> wife. <laughs> because she when, knows, though. When she sees that, then she needs to say, oh, She's huh, given see, me shit about it in see, public before. Yeah, see, you've been to Jay Long's. Oh, it looks like I need to go do some shopping. Well, now with when, their women's clothing, you just include a few well, things for her on there. there. You go out to bring her in next We time. did it for you, Lindsay. We did it for you. We added women's. Time. No, you guys are too kind. I've had family members and other people that have come to you, Jesse, by the way, and uh, and talked to you and had issues with different uh, situations, needed surgery or some consultation on it. And I, I've heard this multiple times. They'll be like, wow, they've told me, hey, he dresses so good. He must shop you, which then I say, yeah, he actually does. Um, but other people have asked you, like, where do you shop? Like, you must shop at Jay Long's. And he's like, actually, yeah, I do. You know, <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, I'm tooting my own horn here in Jay Long's because we well, have a cool operation. But there is a difference of a way, of the way a, a Jay Long's dressed man is versus absolutely. other places. And I truly believe that. And that's truly how we do it. We take your brand and who you are as a person. But the goal is also to allow you to be yourself, but also push you a little bit outside that box and help you also. Well, I certainly push it outside the box when I show up to work. I mean, I think the, I like the, the latest was the Carolina blue pants mm-hmm. um, or, or we did some maroon. We did like the Ooh. maroon pants with like a really cool, like I got big into the, the, the sport coats lately. Yeah, um, and I kind of got, you know, I got all these ties. I had tons of ties. So I kind of got, you know, I stopped wearing them because I was, you know, Everybody. rocking the, uh, you know. And the other thing, I, I remember when I first came in, I was like, you guys are in those three or four button suits? And you're like, nope, those are our style. I'm like, seriously? 
And you like, trust yeah. me here, let's, let's work with you here on this. And so, you know, my style has evolved with the times and I appreciate, you know, you Absolutely. guys keep me, keep me up. The funny thing is those, most people ask me though, does your wife dress you? That's what I get <laughs> the most. Great. That's what I get the most. <laughs> and you just say your second wife, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> hey baby. I love it. So I am a little low on my uh, my drink here. Let me fill you up. And uh, I don't know, Jess, if you want a little a little bit on a finger, maybe two. Yeah, it sounds terrible over this podcast. Just want a finger. Um, Let's get deep. But we are getting deep here. So I want to I want to say a shout out to our fantastic spirit sponsor, Chan Casca. Uh, they're amazing. So they're right off of 22 if you're in the Mankato area and you're listening to us they're right off of 22 heading towards St. Peter about three quarters of the way um, but they're a fantastic place most people know about them for their wines they do wonderful wines and that's how they began um, many many moons ago but really what we're kind of uh, drinking tonight here with, with uh, Jesse the Body and Wesley Warner and myself is their Ranch Road series they do, I mean, what we're sipping on tonight, what are we sipping on, Jesse? You can read the bottle over there. Straight bourbon whiskey. Mm, delicious. Straight. Handcrafted, small batch, and aged at least two years. There you go. So it's good. We also have the Ranch Road whiskey. They also do gin. They do vodkas. They do, what else they do, Wes? Well, uh, they do brandy. They do all kinds of really good stuff. I was actually going to interrupt and just say I saw a social media post the other day that was fun. They had a picture of the early construction site when they were doing the winery out there. And they dug into the ground and they actually tore up a door to an underground cellar from the Prohibition days mm-hmm. when they used to bootleg liquor on that same exact property. Did you know about that, Jesse? I did not. That's, that's so crazy. So when we were that's talking about distillery, too. I mean, Minnesota Original, that's, they, they used to do that on that property before Chancaska was even really a thing. Absolutely. It, the grounds have historic value, and eventually we're going to have Jane and, and Kent Schwickert on to talk about the history of that. Um, but if you get a chance, obviously, like most places, the physical appearance, getting the experience to go there, um, is the best. So go there and check it out. Or if you're at a Vikings game, wild game, Timberwolves game, uh, pretty much every liquor store, uh, in Minnesota. Now you can also find their products from wine to spirits. So Chancaska Creek Ranch Winery and Distillery. Go check them out. And thank you guys very much for being a spirit sponsor for us. Jesse. Yes. How are you? I'm great. You having fun so far? Yeah, I'm having a great time. You look good. Thanks, man. He's just so he's just so fresh, so fly, like just <laughs> does his thing. Jesse the body. Um, so what else uh what else is on the docket for you? I know you guys uh you just had a very, very busy last handful of weeks with Hockey Day Minnesota. Well, not just the last full weeks. I thought my wife had maybe left me for another man. <laughs> It's it wasn't been, me, I swear It's to been two long years that I have not really seen my wife. And for those of you who don't know, Lindsay Bodker, my beautiful wife, and uh, the, the glue that keeps our family together, she hasn't been, she hasn't been here for me lately because she <laughs> has had a new labor of love with Hockey Day Minnesota. And that woman is, uh, she's pretty special. I'll tell you what, like the um, the time and effort and the hours, you know, I got to be on the on the uh, the you know the backside, uh, not the backside, but I I saw the, the the amount of effort and the hours and things I put in. I mean, this has literally been two years in the making, 
and my wife, uh, you know, is a uh, event planner. That's that's her her background. Um, she essentially planned, devised the whole entire site, um, and everything that went into it, and the layout of that site to the inch. I mean, I listened to her talk to some of the vendors as things were getting laid out, and she's spouting off, you know, seven feet tall by six and a half feet wide, and I'm less like, wow. You know, she is very detail-oriented, and uh, if you were there and got to enjoy it, um, you know, she uh, she did a phenomenal job, as did all the other Hockey Day committee, and certainly, you know, many people had uh, had a role in all of that, but I certainly have to shout out my wife because, hey, she lives with me, and she's the best. So. Yeah. Great event, yeah. By the way, I didn't unfortunately make it as many days as I would have hoped to, but I definitely was there for um, Saturday's Mavericks versus St. Thomas oh, game. Then you made it for the best part. Snow. So it was as an event planner, gorgeous. right? Just I told her this. I said, it's as so an event well planner, you have to think of every detail, right? And so she's she is so far above every detail. I mean, when, you know, we've thrown a few parties and when my wife throws a party, you want to be invited hopefully because she throws really good parties. I'm glad I'm invited. See if you can get West and I on the, ne- the list right. for the next party. We'd love to show we're up. Does she, we'll bring some You said stuff. that was her background. Does she still actively do outside of Hockey Day Minnesota, obviously? Does so she still do that? She has, uh, she worked for the, when we first moved to town, <clears throat> she worked for the University of Minnesota right. and did uh, some fundraising, did some event planning with that. Mm-hmm. Um, she, before, uh, when we first met, was working at the University of Minnesota Alumni Foundation. Sure. Um, and so, like, one of their big events every year was the President's Christmas Party. Um, yeah. And so, any donor that's given over $25,000 for the year would be invited to this. And it was a, it was a blowout. Um, and so, I got to hang on the coattails and, you know, get invited, <laughs> invited to this. But it was, uh, so she's got an event planning background. She's, among other things, she's a, a very smart, uh, intelligent, I mean, uh, unbelievable woman. But she, uh, as we um, had our little one, um, I'm too damn busy. Yeah. And so she kind of jumped on the grenade to be able to, to maneuver, uh, left uh, MSU. And it's kind of it's been taken on small projects here and there. I have told her, though, that she needs to get paid for this stuff because she put on, I mean, I can't even tell you the thousands of hours that she put yeah. in. Um, you should see her laptop and how it's organized. I mean, I'm blown away, like, the emails and, like, all the different little folders for all the different ideas that pop into her head at 3 in the morning and <laughs> she doesn't sleep and so she'll pop onto her laptop or her phone and she's downloading all this stuff. Um, but it, it, it's pretty cool. But I was going to say, on Saturday, as an event planner, right, I'm looking up into the sky. The snow is coming down. I said, you thought of it all. You turned the snow globe on. Yeah. I go, now that, that took it to another level. Yeah. It yeah. was ridiculously cool yeah. showing up to that and seeing that snow. We, did, we couldn't even get into the stands. Um, it was packed it by the time so we got packed. there, which we got there about start of the game time. And there were so many excited people in those stands. They were packed to the gills. People were standing outside watching that big TV big right TV, when you walk yeah, out. Yeah. The OFC tent, uh, which you guys were a huge sponsor um, for that. Were you guys the presenting sponsor? Mm-hmm. Is that what they call that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you for that, by the way. It was so, good. so cool for me and Kato. Absolutely. I hung out in that tent for a while and got a reprieve a little bit from the cold. Ordered, of course, a handful of drinks. Um, but such a great event and, and kudos to, to Lindsay and, and crew. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So good for Mankato. So I get my Huge. wife back now, finally. Well, she's tearing down. So, I mean, she was on site for a month 
you know, literally a month with, with getting everything. And now it's not, you know, you put everything in and now you got to take everything yeah. out. So she's in the process. And then I might be, which is kind of like flying back from a vacation. Yeah. You know, the worst part is always coming back because you know, you got a shit ton of laundry to do. Yeah. There's nothing really to look forward to except for getting back into the swing of things. Yeah. So I'm sure the next, you know, the next, uh, uh thing she'll plan will probably be, you know, we have this botker bash that we've done off and on for the last few sure. years. And, and uh, kind of started, I don't know how many years ago we started. And it, we haven't had it in a few years, but I think we might, it might be a time for another Botker Bash one yeah. of these days. So. And you guys have it at your Lake Place? Lake Place, or sometimes we've done it in, you know, in Mankato, and okay. usually in the fall. Usually uh, have a musician. Yeah, a musician. I've seen Danny White fun. there playing. You know, and you've no. also had, what's the, Chad? Chad Brownlee. Brownlee. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, That's that was awesome. out the lake. That was a, that was, that was a, you know, we've done that a couple times with Chad. And anybody doesn't know Chad, he's a you know former Maverick hockey player, yeah. country music star in Canada, unbelievable guy, really great performer. I know of him. I've never met him personally, but yeah, I hope to. Someday. He's got he's got some great you know, great music. Yeah, yep. So, but he's been out there a couple times, and you know, um, for for various things and some fundraisers for Maverick hockey. But that's that's a ton of fun. I think my wife though is going to plan on you know. I don't know what her next deal is. I have to, we have to take a month that. off, probably. Is <laughs> yeah, what her next deal gonna, is. Yeah. <laughs> Catch up on sleep. She's I, got a little girls trip coming up here in a couple of weeks. I think yeah. she'll probably unwind a little she's bit. Well, I know Aaron already said thank you from the OFC standpoint, but thank you to Lindsay, you, OFC, and really the rest of the organizing committee because I David Wittenberg came in and gave a yeah. little presentation to the GMG board and was just kind of going through everything that was involved with planning this this big event. And, People don't realize that's entirely volunteer yeah. driven and the amount of money that had to be raised from corporate sponsors, but also individual donors and just the, the energy and the money that went into that was huge yeah. for the community. And it, it's, it's a big testament to who we are as a city and absolutely. how much we value that sport. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you look at all these uh, <clears throat> different things and it was great kind of hearing the background with my wife and. You know, she would tell me about ideas that, you know, she was coming up to pitch various, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, people to, to, to get them on board, you know, and, and there was, you know, a bunch of people that were kind of the main sellers and then they kind of meet and when they said, well, try this. I've looked up, you know, their, their information. And, and I think if you give them this angle, I think they get on board and, and all of a sudden somebody would jump on board. And I mean, it was amazing. I don't know what the final numbers are going to bring. I know it's over seven figures so. And I don't know if they if they have announced that yet or you know once they know, but it, it was a huge deal um, to really you know especially with with everything getting shut down with the pandemic and and people back in town, I mean it was just it was just a cool week. I mean yeah. eight days, you know yeah. it wasn't hockey day, it was hockey hockey week. week. It was yeah, they took it to the next level. I think uh, I think it was someone. Maybe it was Wittenberg himself that actually said, hey, I feel really bad for the next community that has yes. to host Hockey Day in Minnesota Absolutely. because they they just aren't going to be able to match what we put into it. Absolutely. No, but, you know, my I, uh, it was a labor of love. They did a phenomenal job. My wife, uh, bless her heart, you know, I just I just tried to stay out of the way and take care of the our youngest, you know, our second grader and, and get her to and from as much as I could. And yeah. Well, was, you basically uh, told me you, you we, when we texted you or I texted you, uh, what it was it like three four weeks ago? You said, mm -hmm. 
yeah, I'd love to come on, but we need to do it this week because yeah. we need to wait till hockey days. Yeah, Stuff hockey is done. Like, there's no way I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. feel like getting killed by adding the, this to the The last schedule. three months, my wife has said, it's either Maverick hockey that we're going to the games or it's hockey day and there's nothing else that we're doing. Right. So that's that's kind of where we're We should now. probably have Lindsay on and do a debrief as far as hockey day in Minnesota and some of the behind-the-scenes stories. That'd I be a cool would, episode. I think it'd be really cool to have... Um, Lindsay and Michelle Schuf and Dave Wittenberg. Yes. Kind of, you know. And they we were need another head, microphone. Who, who else was kind of like the <laughs> They're kind of those, 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 those three, three right? were the kind of the, yep. yep yeah, we just charged. Again, kudos it. to all of them. They're all great people. I know, uh, you know, a little bit personally too. And um, no, I'd love to have all three of them on to talk yeah, about it. That'd be cool. Once they get a chance to take a breath for sure and then come and, yeah. you know, reflect on that situation. Well, I'm sure there's plenty, plenty of good stories. Now the question is, is, you know, how many drinks do they have in them to get the story out? <laughs> oh, well, you know, I mean, it's not like there's any shortage of that around we'll, here. We'll, yeah. we'll really stock up, make sure we're ready for that when that time, that time comes for sure. Absolutely. So what's, uh, you know, what, what's the kind of future for Jesse Botker, Jesse, the body, um, how old are you, Jesse? 39? Uh, 21. Ooh, um, yeah, there you go. 30, when I doubled 41. up 21, that was the story, right? You know, when I doubled up 21 yeah. for the 21st time, yeah. then it's kind of like, I can't really use that. 44. Are you 44? <laughs> 44. Okay. Um, okay, well, 44. Like, like a so. fine wine, right? Yeah. Or like a good bourbon. You're you get better age. age. Delicious. You know, right. and I think, you know, I think though, too, right? So, you know, you got... Uh, Tom Brady, yeah, forty four, about to turn forty five. Yes, prime right. his career, but he's going to be done here, right? And you he's think done. He's done. He's well, if he retires, he's done. Well, yeah, maybe next year, retire. whatever. Yeah, next year, he's not going to play till he's fifty, right? No, but I, th- I think well, he's done. I don't never say never. Retire. Giselle's pumping him full of all kinds of micronutrients. <laughs> She's well, got him running at this point. I'm, the I question think, is, do you think Tom is pumping her full of any? Everything. Okay, good. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure. We're on Get the same deep. Page. <laughs> but at the end of the day. I'm in the prime of my career right now. Yes. Okay. So that's that's the benefit. I, I'm 44, but mm-hmm. I've got 11 years out of training, mm-hmm. um, and life is good. You went to school and, and training beyond mm-hmm. just school until you were 35. 33. 33. 33. 33. That's a long I got time. my first big boy job. That's a long and time. And accumulated over $250,000 of debt. Yummy. Yep. That was, uh, that's... You know, well, it is what it is, right? Yeah. You know, but but for certain professions it makes sense. Yep. Right. And there's you other know. professions it doesn't. And I'm sorry for those folks. But yeah. but I, you know, at the end of the day, it was a long, it was a long road. It was grind. Yeah. It was a lot of you know. When you're talking, you know, they institute the 80 hour work week when I was in training. It was a joke because you, as a resident, like you're on call, you're you know, what are you gonna you're gonna leave the patient in in the hospital and just say, right. All right, guess what, my my shift's over. Uh, no, so you work, you know, 100 to 120 hours a week. Um, I, 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 you know, in med school, you're working that in a lot of rotations, uh, your third and fourth year. But then, you know, and you're not getting paid. You're actually paying for that experience. And then you get to residency and you make 50, I made $40,000 my first year residency. And then it jumps up every year about $1,500. So by the end, I made like $48,000 for my last year residency. And I worked average 100 to probably 105 hours a week i did the math once 
and it comes Don't out. Do the math. That's I, sad. It came out to <laughs> like three dollars and twenty five cents an hour. Minimum wage, Jesse. Yeah, Come exactly, on, exactly. So, and then I got to oh, you know accumulate, accumulate two hundred fifty thousand dollars of debt. So just, yes, Jesse. Imagine if you got to thirty and said, you know, I was wrong. This isn't the oh, profession a, for me. So, <laughs> because that happens to some does, people. Some people does. get deep into med school it or does. even get or, into their, you know, other ends of their, their training or, and say, nope, not for me. Or you get into, like, the wrong specialty, right? Yeah. Because there's a lot of things in medicine. Like, I, I decided a long time ago, like, orthopedic surgery or bust. Like, if I'm not doing this, I'm leaving. Like, I'm out. Like, I'm not going to do anything else in medicine because nothing else appealed to me. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, I'm, I'm very lucky. I found the right thing. I got my foot in the door because orthopedics is probably, out of all specialties, it's probably the top two, maybe top three most like coveted specialties. Like people coming out like that's, it's the one of the hardest ones to get into. So why is that? Um, Just demand? I think that it is, uh, there's probably a few things. One is that it's, it's, it's the patients, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the types of surgeries you're doing. You don't have, like, my call schedule isn't that bad right now, right? I, I, I had that when I was in residency and med school, but call isn't that bad. You'll have some things, but a lot of stuff can be kind of tucked in overnight. Um, so I get sleep at night. Um, you know, you're compensated well as a surgeon. Yep. I, you know, I, you know, I, I have a good, you know, a good life. What does um, the average day look like? Like, I, I know that you do more than one surgery in a day yeah, often, I right? Do, so well, what's an average day? So average day, Monday through Friday, I do two and a half days of clinic and two and a half days of OR on average. Okay. Um, Mondays are always my clinic day. I'll see 42 to 44 patients. On a Monday? On a Monday. So clinic starts at eight. Doing the math on this. Clinic starts at eight, <laughs> runs till four. Okay, scheduled till four. I have an hour. Do you have lunch? For lunch. Yeah, I have, I have this hour. Okay, so quote, if you, you can't see push, the quotation marks. If you can't, yeah. Those of yeah. you who are listening, obviously we don't have video with this yet. You can't see his chest, but during his hour break, he does push-ups. No, the push-ups get done in the morning. You see this chest that he has. The, the push-ups get done in the morning. So oh, yeah, I wake right. up at 4.30 to quarter to 5, <laughs> get up, get my workout in before the day. Sure. So get my hour in. But no, so 8 a.m. it starts. I have an hour lunch, which never happens. Like, I'm lucky if I get 5 to 10 minutes for lunch. Um, I'm seeing a patient probably every 10 minutes. I was going to say five and a half patients per hour. Yeah. That's what that average yeah. is out to. And that's including your hour for lunch. Yeah. So, you know, it's essentially, you know, the busy days. Now, you know, if I have like 36 that's scheduled, like, like right now, this is a little bit slower time for clinic. It hasn't been for OR, but for clinic, I'll see probably 36. Mm-hmm. And that, that's like, man, like I'm standing around. I'm like, what's going on here today? But you, it's, it's kind of a grind, right? So I will work. And then, you know, the, the biggest thing too is like, if I didn't have to do paperwork, like, you know, you have dictation. So you, everybody you see, you have to dictate, you know, what you saw. And so we have tra- great transcriptionists in our office that, you know, I'll, I'll speak in very, very fast to a microphone. It's recorded. They slow it way down. Like I spit it out as fast you know, people that, that have never heard me do it, they look like, what in the, how do they even understand what you're saying? I'm like, well, everything, I, I kind of say the same in the same order in the same kind of. You so want to give us an know. example how fast you speak it and what you say? What yeah, are some shoot words? us one. 
Uh, Sorry to put you on the spot, Justin. Aaron's a 35-year-old uh, male, comes uh, right-hand dominant male, comes in for right shoulder pain, has been for five months. Uh, he uh, states that uh, he, he uh, injured it while he was drinking too much uh, Ranch Road whiskey and uh, <laughs> proceeded to uh, uh, fall down um, on right. a Friday night. Uh, he comes in, uh, he denies any, uh, or he's been doing NSAIDs, he hasn't done any physical therapy injections uh, on exam. Uh, he has a full range of motion, 180 degrees forward elevation, 45 degrees external rotation, uh, T10 internal rotation, uh, 5 plus 5, uh, super space, super space, uh, uh, that belt. makes sense as to how you guys are able to process how so many clients. Yeah, you nailed my life story. Too. Positive okay. near Hawkins impingement signs, uh, <laughs> x-rays, uh, AP Grashi scapula Y axillary views are negative, uh, no, show no signs of internal derangement, assessment, right shoulder pain, plan. Aaron's really dumb because he drank too much. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, at this point, right. uh, uh, concerned about a rotator cuff tear. We're going to get an MRI. Uh, we'll see him back afterwards, discuss a possible therapy, injection, or surgery. Patient also asked about a piece enlargement. <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> donating no, to I'm that GoFundMe. I am fine. It's so, for Molly that I'm donating so, to that GoFundMe. Please. And there's certain things that like you just, you're, you're spitting it out, right? So, so you have all that paperwork at the end of the day. And so there's some days where you have fires, you're putting out fires constantly. Like you have, you, know, you walk out of a room, <clears throat> you have two nurses that are waiting to talk to you. You have your surgery scheduler that has questions. You have a, you know, I'm getting a text from the athletic trainer at MSU about an athlete they need to get over and get me get in to be seen. You know, I, you know, I. So it's like you're constantly getting pulled in all different directions. And if you happen to be the guy that that day is on call for the office, like any patient questions of a doctor that's not in the office goes to you. So pain med requests, like you hate to be the on call guy on a Friday for pain med refills. So you have like a stack of 15, you know, pain med refills that the patients you get decide yes no or it's you know it's too late you gotta you know you you've been out of surgery for too long and you know it's three months later no we're not going to give you narcotics Philly. yeah so so you're constantly doing all those things so the the part that i like is seeing the patients interacting with seeing how they're doing i mean and it, it helps like if you have a quick follow-up like an x-ray for a fracture it's two weeks out looks good you know positioning's good we're going to change your cast out someone changes you know the cast tech changes the cast and then i walk to the next patient i can get caught up the longest conversations are, you know, 15, 20, 30 minute conversations, sometimes like an ACL in a, in a high school athlete. Um, and you got to take that time. Like you, you know, you have to be engaged. You have to, you know, you have to discuss with them. Like, here's all the things And I'm, yeah. I'm a straight shooter. So you're going to get it from me. I'm going to, you know, we're going to talk through all those things and that may take 25 minutes and I may, now I might be behind. So you're, you're constantly like you're, you're, you're catching up, you're slowing down. Well, you guys as up. a clinic also offer same day visits, Correct. right? So if you come in through that clinic system, it's not like you're scheduling out. You're just like a hospital. You you're dealing right with in. it right there. Yep. So, and that's the thing is too, is, is some people don't do well, well with that with interruptions in their schedule. Me, like I said, I never say no. So, I may, like, they purposely try, like, those days that you are the guy seeing the walk-ins, I'll have, like, 28 patients already scheduled. And then they're piecing them in, and boom, by the time I know it, I'm up to 42. But you're you're having to tr try to, like, juggle balls, mm. chew gum, walk at the same time type of deal. It's... And then, you know, by the time you get to the end of the day, hopefully you see your, you've seen your last patient, you've, 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 you've escorted them out at 440. 
Well, now you got to stack of charts. And hopefully you caught up on those charts over your lunch break, which really wasn't a lunch break, um, as I, you know, I shovel food in my mouth. But it's, so I'll usually leave the office hopefully by, it used like early on, like in my career, I, I was there till 6.30, 7.30. Just because I wasn't, I couldn't juggle as well. Like now, you know, I'm very succinct with like my plan, like my brain functions in a different way. Like, you know, I am in the prime, right? So like in the OR, in the clinic, I already have like all these things that I'm thinking about ahead of time and the questions I want to ask. And like, I kind of know where this is going before it even happens, right? So I'm able to process it a lot faster. Um, so we're able to keep things kind of moving, but you still have that paperwork. If I didn't have to do that paperwork or do the dictation, I mean, life would be great. So I usually leave, you know, so I'll show up at, at, at eight o'clock. I'm usually out, out the door by five 30. Okay. So Tuesday I go to Wyndham. That's my outreach day. So every other week I, I do a full schedule this week. I had five surgeries. Um, the other weeks I'll see patients. Uh, last week I had uh, uh, one surgery and I had 36 patients. So I don't take a lunch break in Wyndham. So I have a surgery at 8. I work till 9, 9.30. And then I have 35, 36 patients through lunch. And then I have to get out of there by 2.50 is my last scheduled patient. So then by the time I get done with um, paperwork, it's usually about 3.30. I need to drive all the way back to Mankato. And then I see MSU athletes in training room. So every other week I have, I take care of the athletes. Um, I, you know, I'm on the sidelines for either Maverick hockey or football. And then all the other athletes for MSU, um, come to training room if they have injuries. So right. Dr. Stevens and I split it up every other week. And so that was where I was going to go next, by yeah, the way, yeah. Jesse. It's, it's gotta be pretty rewarding, um, to be able to be a helpful voice, a calming voice when these athletes, these MSU athletes and yourself, and of course, Dr. Scott Stevens, a great guy, also a client. Um, when you guys are standing on the sidelines and you see these guys go through some of their toughest times, they, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's an MCL, it's an ACL, you know, things like that. How do you, well, first of all, no, I guess the first question is, what is that like to be just on the glass or on the court or on the field and being able to watch these young people because you are an athlete yourself, yeah. be able to kind of watch it happening. Also, of course, Sydney, your daughter, yep. also plays sports. Um, and then secondly, when they go through those times, you're, you're trying to help this young person yeah. realize like, hey, we can get you back. Yeah. We can get you I back think, if this is your dream to do this. Yeah. And, and I think what that, are those things like? So, I, I you know, um, I love taking care of athletes uh being an athlete myself you understand you know how they think and, and how they operate um you know the 11 plus years i've been here at msu they've had some really good teams right top level hockey basketball softball football i mean you name the sport and, and you know soccer they they top have been the league. top for everything right and so you have some all-american athletes um, you have a lot of these, 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 these kids that come in and come through and you've established these relationships, right? And not only that, but with the coaches and, you know, my goal is always like get them back on the field of play as quickly as possible. But obviously, you know, we're doing it as, as, as safely as possible that they're ready to go. Um, it's a very rewarding experience and something that I love, you know, being an athlete and being close to that, like, you know, you usually see me roaming the silence of football. Like, it's funny because, you know, my dream was always to be the Viking team doc. 
I love the Vikes, love watching them on Sundays, and, and I've worked with the Viking team docs. In fact, two of them, one, you know, one wrote me a letter of recommendation to get into orthopedics, and the, and the other one I've worked with and, and traveled up and, and, and been in his operating room, and, and both of them have, have operated on my wife. Like, that's how, how much, how close I am. But, like, there, sometimes with the, with the Vikings. Is that still a goal, by the way? No, I, I've, I've kind of moved on from that. Sure. And the, the thing is, like, I, because of how it works, right? In, in the NFL, you get injured. Most times, if you're a big name, your agent's telling you to go to the famous doctor so-and-so, and they may not be the best choice. Like, you, you might have the guy right there that should take care of you. But there's kind of some politics with, with the agents. And, you know, um, for a lot of years, it was Dr. Andrews, you, you know, Jimmy Andrews. Uh, people ever, you know, have heard that name. Um, but there's a lot of good docs out there that maybe haven't established the rapport with the agents. The agents are what drives everything. And college is different, though. You know, you have these collegiate athletes, and, and for the most part, unless there's an insurance issue, they're coming to you. So you're not only on the sidelines, you're seeing their injuries, you're treating them, but you're, 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 you're getting them, you get them rehabbed, and you get them back out. There's nothing more rewarding. And that's why I love flipping through the sports page, whether it's a high school athlete, collegiate athlete, um, and just check it, right? Oh, I operate on that person and they're back and, you know, their name's thriving. back in, they're thriving, right? Like that gets me going. That's what gets me up in the morning. You know, when you talk about like, um, that's, you know, more rewarding than anything. You know, there's the, uh, you know, you have a kid like, you know, I've had some, some big name local athletes, high school athletes, what have you, MSU, that, you know, ACL tears or things like that. And you get them back and get them back to that level that they were at before. Like nothing's better than that. So, you know, at the end of the day that I really enjoy that, you know, and it, it's like, I, you know, that's, that's my volunteer time, right? We, you know, I don't get paid to, to go see the MSU athletes. We, you know, we, you know, we come over there, we volunteer our time, we do that, and, you know, I'm on the sidelines, I'll be, you know, in the corner at hockey this weekend. Pounding um, on the glass. Pounding on the glass when we <laughs> I've score. Seen him. I've seen him. Absolutely. And, I, and you know, oh, I was going to say, like, the Vikes docs, they stand on the one sideline in the corner as I'm watching them, and they don't say anything. They don't cheer. They don't look. That's not me. Like, I'm up and down the sidelines <laughs> at football, like, you know, high-fiving these guys and yeah. the hockey guys. And, you know, I've gotten to know a lot of the athletes, like Adam Thielen. Adam and I, like, he was here when I first came here. He was a, a sophomore when I, my first year. So I've gotten to know him. I see him up the Vikings games now. Doc, how you doing? So you establish these relationships. There's a lot of these guys that come back for, like, charity, you know, the, the MSU golf tournaments for their various sports, whatever. And so you get to see, you've, you've established relationships with them. And they're often, you know, doing whatever in their lives. But that's a really rewarding, Absolutely. rewarding deal. So I got I to gotta interrupt you for a second. I got to talk about, uh, so your associate, friend, partner, um, a guy named Scott Stevens. You yes. Yeah, you yes. know him, right? Oh, oh, yeah. I heard of him. I know, heard of him. Yeah, decent guy, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I may or may not have uh, reached out to him and just asked him, you know, hey, we got Jesse on tonight, which I hope to have Scott Stevens on eventually too because he's a great guy. But he said to me, he said, being around Jesse on the silence at an MSU football game is entertaining as hell. <laughs> <laughs> he's a former college at football player and a competitive guy, and he's running commentary on play selection, strategy, <laughs> officiating, et cetera, and it's hilarious. <laughs> he goes, it would, not be su- it would not surprise me in the least if one Saturday in a close game, JCB didn't know the Cole middle name, JCB, Jesse yep. Cole Botker, comes out of halftime and suits up and lines up a tight end. 
I can just hear the ref say, penalty on the play for illegal substitution and too many men on the field. Minnesota State Mankato, 15 yards. That player is ineligible, ineligible to return to the field to play. Uh, he was texting me this because I asked him, I said, you got any like, things you want to share about Jesse like, that I don't know? Scott's obviously a great guy, but just what you said, playing into the competitive nature of who you are yeah. and, and the rah-rah, you know, supporting the Minnesota, uh, Minnesota State sports, um, great programs here. Yeah. Um, it really is, and I'm super pumped about what Mankato was built with sports. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, you know, there's some highlights, right? You know, the Frozen Four last year, um, when the, when the, the teammate to the national, the football team at the national championship game in Texas a couple of years back, and I'm on the sidelines, Rome, and there's a lot, to, there's too many injuries to be able to enjoy that game. Because um, everybody was like texting me and calling me afterwards. I saw you on TV. I saw. I said, "Well, that's too much." Then you shouldn't be seeing me on TV. It's not about <laughs> me, right? Yeah. Um, but the, there was, a, you know. But that's the thing is like I'm just as juiced for those guys and their success um, with it. That's you know, it, it, it's a, it's a cool deal. I love, I love that the the college game, whether you know whether it's D one, two, or three, and in, in the different sports. I mean, it's the purest, right? I mean, you can have you know, there's. And, and when it becomes professional and it's about money or the business or whatever, it's, it's not quite, but at that point, it's, I think it's the purest. And so um, it's great to be, great to be here and great, to, great to see that. So I love it. Very, this, go ahead, Wes. Uh, you go ahead, actually. I was, I was just going to say, uh, I think main kid was blessed to, to have you and your family uh, as a person and, and as your family, just what you bring to this community as far as, uh, your professionalism as far as what you do for OFC and, and everything, but also just as a person. Uh, you're a good personality. You're a good person. I would consider you a friend. I've known you over the years, so I really appreciate that. Uh, what's the uh, what's the legacy of Jesse Botker? Like, what do you want to leave? What do you want to leave this world when eventually your day comes? Well, I, you know, I hope that that uh, you know that when that day comes, um, that you know. That's a, that's a great question. And I'm thinking about that. You know, it's like one of those things that, you know, I hope that people understand at the end of the day that I've always said that I'm going to treat anybody that, that I see as, a, as, a, as if they're my own family member. And I've said that to many, many people, you know. And, you know, sometimes when you're relaying certain things to, to parents when it comes to their athletes, because, you know, it's interesting. Certain docs go into certain things like joint surgeons don't want to deal with sports cases. They don't want to do it because they don't want to deal with the parents, Right. Um, you know, or, or, or like, you know, me, I don't want to be a spine surgeon. Cause I just, you know, there's, I just, I just can't do that every day. Like I just can't do it back. Deep. Yeah. You know, exactly. But it's like, I, I like that interaction. And there's many times that I've said, look, if, if, if this was my son or daughter, this is what I would do for them. Right. right. And so I think at the end of the day, you know, I, I just hope that, that people, you know, uh, you know, I want to be known that, uh, I did good work, worked hard. And I got people better. And, and, you know, it was, it was done in a way that, you know, I, I don't certainly I'm a, a competitive person. I don't need the limelight, so to speak. I, I can work in the background and, and, you know, to me, it's a lot better if, if, if I hear it from, from the patients themselves, right? Like I don't need headlines and all the other stuff. You know, you talked about like being the Vikes team doctor. Like I don't kind of move beyond that. Like there's not, you know, the, certainly, I mean, look, if they asked me tomorrow, I, it'd be, I'd think about it, right? But, you know, it's a, um, um, 
I'm happy. I'm happy where I'm at and I'm, I'm happy with how my, my practice is. And, and, and I'm happy because I hear from people that they say, look, I sent so-and-so over to you. I told me you're the best. Or people come in and they say, hey, you know, your patient so-and-so said, you know, you know, you need to come see you. And something hit me. Um, it was right before Christmas. I had a patient call me. Um, he's got my cell phone number. Not a lot of patients have my cell phone number, but this guy does. And he's a farmer, small town, Minnesota. And he's just a good guy. And, and um, he said to me, he goes, hey, my brother's coming over to see you. He always gets his care at Rochester Mayo. He will only go there. He drives there, you know, two hours, two and a half hours to get his physical every year. He gets his flu shot. He has to drive there. He goes, he's coming to see you because he needs a double knee replacement. I go, well, I, I'm honored. I'll take great care of him. He goes, do you know how many joint replacements you've done for my family now? My brothers and sisters. Now, there's 10. 10 brothers and sisters. I said, no. How many, Jim? And he goes, 21. <laughs> so if you want to talk about, like, so I look at that, and it's like, that's the legacy I want to leave as far as, like, like doing. That's like, awesome. You know, so patient, giving patients yeah. back their, their quality of life mm -hmm. and, and, and being able to do that for, for that family, right? And that was like. Wow, he goes. I bet that's more than you. I go. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, I've taken care of like grandpas and and and, and grandmas and and then fathers and mothers and and their daughters or, or sons. But you know, that was something that kind of you know kind of hit me. So I think you know, um, you know, you never lose sight of the fact that that you know I have been blessed to for my education and, and, and my hard work and, and the people that have come before me and taught me mentors that have taught me what I've been able to do. Like I'm able to, to, to really make a difference. I'm able to, to, to really improve someone's life um, and their quality of life. And that to me is like the best thing ever. That's why I, you know, I feel so blessed. Well, this is the first time I've met you, Jesse, but prior to even meeting you, just knowing everyone that I know that you know, mutual friends, yep. uh, that's the reputation that I think you've left in this community. So you're well on the way to making that your legacy for sure. Uh, huge impact on the local community, and it's it's an honor to get to meet you today. So yeah. thank yeah, you for coming on you. the show. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Jesse. Appreciate, Appreciate it, it my friend. And uh, we'll hope to have you back again someday if you yeah, will. Sounds good. Sounds right. good. Thank you.